I got a question to ask you. Are you more feminine or masculine? And what you think of feminine or masculine may be changed after listening to today's episode. I had a wonderful pleasure of interviewing Nate Crookshank. He's just a fun and interesting person. We just talked about what it is to be masculine or feminine, and more importantly, how we want to live lives that give us a sense of meaning and purpose. If you're interested in learning about what it means to align yourself in a pathway that makes sense to you, listen to today's episode. We're going to be diving into so much information. Even I was a little bit shocked. All right. And you're going to get so much coming to you after this short break. Hey, Nate, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing all right. You know, it's funny how we met because like usually I'm on social media. They call it X now, Twitter, whatever they want. Elon wants to call it this week. Anyway, I'm doing my thing. And then you kind of just pop up and start talking beyond masculinity and femininity. And I was like, wait, we snap. There's other people who are talking about that. And so you caught my eye. A lot of people don't catch my eye, but you caught my eye. And so I kind of like to ask you, like, before we get into anything, like, why are you interested in this? Well, originally, this wasn't my idea of what I wanted to do on Twitter or X or whatever it is. Um, I, I was interested in anthropology, um, hunter-gatherer skills, wilderness literacy, and essentially living a good, holistic, fulfilling life with nature and natural living as your guide, right? So I was tweeting about that for a while. And then, like, you know, it was working. I was growing a little following. But then, you know, masculinity, femininity, social interactions and engagement, all that is uh, is part of holistic living, right? So I sent out a, quick, a couple quick little tweets about just, like, masculinity, masculine roles, historically, traditionally speaking, and people kind of got onto it. I got a lot of receptiveness uh, with those topics. And so I just kind of kept going with it. Um, I wouldn't want to think that I'm niched into that area yet, but uh, I have been tweeting a lot about that. One of my friends told me it looks like I'm basically a dating advice account now, um, which I mean, maybe, I don't know, but, but yeah, so that's how I got into it. And yeah, it's not a primary interest of mine, but I do seem to have a lot to say about it <laughs> and people have a lot to say about what I have to say. So it's, it's just been working for a while. You have some very distinctive ideas about what it is to be a traditional masculine woman or feminine woman. And even before we hit the record button and we started talking, I said, you know, I know we're going to rub some people wrong because they have their own box of what a man is supposed to be or a woman's supposed to be in. And in some circles, they're within that androgynous, non-binary, and all that other jazz talk. And I'm not, we're not going to go there because <laughs> I'm not in those types of discussions. But I do know that there's a lot of very strong, passionate ideas about what it is. And so before we kind of get more into it, like what are we talking about when we say being masculine or being feminine? Right. Well, that's a bit of a squishy area because you've got things that are masculine that are just made up, right? Like men wear pants, women wear dresses. We made that up. We invented that. That's not a thing. Um, but it is, it is a social value, which you can't tell people what values to have, but you can say that there are, there is value in having values. So 
before throwing out all the value systems we have, let's assess them. Let's figure out why men wear pants and women wear dresses. Um, the reason for that isn't very useful. It goes back to horse riding in like ancient Rome and so that like whatever. But when you're talking about real masculinity and femininity, what I look at is things that are about as close to human universals as you can get. Um, things which traditionally have been true for a lot of people in a lot of times. For instance, men being the hunters and women being like in the tribe at home. Um, and you've got history, you've got accounts, you've got anthropologists saying that, yeah, women hunted too. And that's probably true in the Stone Age and, you know, the Bronze Age and whatever age you want to talk about. Yeah, women could hunt, women could go to war, all these things. You've got a lot of, a lot of overlap in the Venn diagram. But there are, there are universal trends. Men going to war, for instance. Um, that's a masculine thing. And that, I think that's fair to say that men are the warriors and women generally are not. Can they be? Absolutely. But it's a masculine thing. Um, so if I had to boil it down to something simple, I would say masculinity is the experience of life, which females aren't generally initiated into. And femininity would be the experiences of life, which men aren't generally initiated into, just naturally. Um, can one counterpart experience the experience of the other counterpart? Absolutely. But generally speaking, there are trends. You said that one of your friends says that you're a dating coach. Now, why in the world would they say that you're a dating coach if we're talking about roles, about how each counterpart functions in society? Because, especially in our modern world, since we don't have a lot of strict social roles outside of relationships, um, we've kind of gotten rid of most of those, like women can work, women can join the military, women can own land and vote and do all these other things. Um, the roles that are left seem to be specific to relationships. So when I talk about relationships and roles and stuff like that, it often does play into how men and women are engaging each other usually in the context of a partnership. Um, I don't really have much to say for the gender roles within a corporation. Um, but in relationships, people do tend to find the roles fulfilling. Um, it helps to have a model when you're trying to love and live and have a great relationship with someone who isn't like you. Now and so I guess that's why a lot of my stuff is about relationships specifically. Mm. I want to put you on the spot. I want to read a question to you. Okay. Okay. This comes from a, a young lady. And this is one that the paradigm of feminism and masculinity is. This is what she writes. I would love to be a stay-at-home mom temporarily or be in a career that gives me the flexibility to exit and re-enter the workforce while raising children. I understand and respect the decision to hire nannies but I want to be the primary caretaker of my children. The issue is, as you know, that most jobs in the US are not hospitable to motherhood in a variety of ways. But I still want to be a mother. What should I do? That's a tough one. Um, this is more personal preference rather than gender roles. For this person, I would say, but it seems like she knows what she wants, right? It seems like she has an idea of what she wants out of the situation. 
um, without giving specific advice. It's kind of hard to give advice without giving specific advice. Um, well, I'll, gi I'll give you some more context. This is a 21-year-old okay. woman, and obviously she lives in the United States, and she's trying to plan her own life, and she feels that it's being looked down upon by her own own friends, Gen Z, that kind of con that kind of part about wanting to be a stay-at-home mom, wanting to be a domestic engineer because it just seems looked down on by not just her friends, but in, in a lot of places within jobs, they don't really allow that flexibility. So she's truly torn because she really wants to be the as executor of raising healthy children, which is commendable. But she feels yeah. that awe because society's saying, what are you doing? Go get yourself a corporate job. So it's about the inner conflict of going with society versus what you want. Mm -hmm. I get that. Um, and that's pretty tough. And I would say that society is dumb <laughs> with this. It needs to be better. Um, there's, it, it's a wonderful thing that women want to be moms and want to stay home and be a homemaker, take care of the family. And what did you call it? A, a home engineer? Yeah, that's like absolutely. Domestic engineer. Domestic engineer. Yeah, we need women to do that. We need everybody to do that to some extent, um, but especially women. Having having all of women in a society be in the workforce is rough because, to a large extent, traditionally speaking and historically speaking, it seems safe to say that women are the social glue that holds society together. Men have always kind of been sort of on the edge. They exist between society and between the wild world. Um, interacting with both, whereas the feminine position in the world is within society, holding it together, defining what it is, defining what it's supposed to be doing with itself. So when all women are in the workforce, you're kind of taking the glue out of the system. Um, and should women be allowed to work? Absolutely. If they want to, not every woman wants to. And so it sounds like this is a woman who knows what she wants and society isn't telling her to want it. On the one hand, you can say forget society, but peer pressure is a real thing. Social validation is a real thing. Um, it's a rough question, and it's one that a lot of people are facing, and there's no real good answer today. But I would say focus on... Hmm, focus on the things you would regret. It's okay to be ostracized or condemned for a decision you've made if you don't regret the decision itself. You can regret being ostracized, but don't regret your decisions. So do the one you're not going to regret. I, I've, I've definitely seen this in my own personal life. You might have seen this too, maybe in, where the people that you thought were thick as thieves with you, the people that you thought you were aligned with value-wise, life circumstances just took them in a whole different direction than the things that they thought were real and true and, and quote unquote the right thing to do was effectively causing their own insomnia and their anxiety and so much unrest emotionally and spiritually that they just suffered. But the society was never there to say, here's a remedy. It was more like, let's just follow the program. And I think yeah. that for that in the case that I shared with this, this young lady, I hope that if she's listening, she'll figure out 
okay, like you said earlier, what would you regret? What, what in the next 20 years from now, are you going to be smiling and feeling good about the decision or are you going to be feeling remorse? And oftentimes when we're going through this paradigm of masculinity and femininity, we're picking up things that it's not even what we want to do, you know? Yeah, that's true. Um, the whole thing about jobs and whether or not you should stay at home or go to work is is kind of like men don't wear dresses. It's a socially constructed role to play. Um, historically, in, in the Stone Age, everybody had work to do. Everybody was doing their job. Um, so the idea of a, an office that you go to and you perform professionally and you do that kind of work and then come home at the end of an eight-hour shift and then you have two weekend days off, like that's all, that's all made up. So that could be whoever's role you want it to be. It could be masculine. It could be feminine. It doesn't matter. Um, so worrying about whether or not it's masculine or feminine is kind of irrelevant. What really matters is what you're going to regret. I think that's really what it all comes down to. What is good for you and what's good for your family? Mm. You know, I, I've been very forthcoming on social media and I share that I was a very masculine woman and I was race effectively trying to hold a job get people in line get things done i mean heck i was a project manager in my former life and so i lived and breathed controlling people but it came at a very high price uh, from my mental health my spiritual health and letting my husband take control and be the man in the household take a more control uh, more controlling and more unilateral way and trying to instead of trying to co-design something was actually the way to make me feel better about myself and improve my life and I know that if you're a woman you're listening you're like what are you talking about you know we're equal partnership I'm like no not if you want to like stay sane sweetheart and so I know <laughs> the things that we're talking about seem like well what are you talking about and I wanted to hear from your thoughts like yes being a man is a leader and that relies on some subservience on the on the woman I, I would love you to kind of get your take on that as well yeah so male leadership and female subservience that's that's a very rocky road to tread these days um the way i see it goes back to the archetypal masculine order and feminine chaos right and order and chaos neither is bad neither is good they can both be both order can be very bad chaos can be very good um So order and chaos, neither can really exist without the other, right? Because if order is in a world without chaos, what is the order ordering, you know? If chaos is, a, is in a world without order, it's, it's everything and nothing at once. You have to take that everything and nothing at once and order it into something tangible. That's kind of dance between the two. So when it comes to relationships between male order, female chaos, they come together and... Generally speaking, men find more fulfillment in being the orderer, the ordering force in the relationship, and men and women find fulfillment in being the chaotic force. Order, when it's overdone, is controlling. Chaos, when it's overdone, is manipulation and drama and craziness. Um, so when they come together, it becomes a really beautiful thing. And ordering can be seen as leadership. I tend to see it more like anchoring. Um, because leadership implies control. It implies a bit of domination. Um, and that's not necessarily what it means. 
Ordering is the rock. It's the foundation around which chaos can flow in a healthy way because you want some chaos. You want that maybe factor. You want the potential. Um, but just pure potential without an anchor can go anywhere. It could be anything. And that's dangerous. That's scary. That's unpredictable. That's not a hospitable habitat for life to flourish, basically. So male leadership is about being an anchor. It's about being that rock that chaos can be chaotic around, knowing that that rock will hold it to a grounded reality. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah, no, it does. And you know, when yeah. I was thinking about that, I was thinking about a conversation I had many moons ago with, with, with some men, and they said, I love a crazy lady. I know that she just brings the drama and the spontaneity was exciting because if, 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 it, if it wasn't for her, I'd just be sitting there and watching sports center all day. Like she brings that excitement. And, you know, speaking to the point about the nagging and the manipulation, you know, we all manipulate. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. Like I manipulated you to want to talk with me. Like that's because I, I mean, let's just be honest. What? Oh no, it's true. Yeah, but the thing is, is a malignant manipulation, meaning mm. that we're harming ourselves and other people through our words and actions. That's the issue. Right. And I see a lot of females that aren't taught how to embrace their natural femininity and just letting things go with ease and having that natural chaos, as you mentioned, and letting things come as they are. And they feel like they have to control and dominate and I'm gonna just, I'm just gonna drown him out with words and or behaviors or, or body postures. And I remember I was reading this comic strip, and then there was this, there was this, this image of a woman on her hips just yelling at him, and he's like, "Are you hearing what I'm talking about?" And the man is like, think, he's already in his own place five minutes ago, thinking about Sports Center or whatever in his mind. He's gone mentally. And I think a lot of females don't understand it. Like you cannot nag your way to a better relationship. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah it's true um male order has to deal with ordering things all the time at work their friends in sports teams in competition dealing with the wild world like it's how it's always been male order has always been ordering stuff females are in their order zone these days because equality and work and all this other stuff women have to be in their masculine and it's good for them to know how to do that and if they want to do that, fantastic, go for it. But it's also good for them to know how to be in their feminine too. And that, like, that's the social glue, is the feminine energy, the, the healthy chaos flowing through society. Um, so when women come to a relationship from an order standpoint, and the man is also in an order standpoint, well, that, that's not what you want from each other. That's not helping. Um, if you had a woman in her order and a man in his chaos, yeah, theoretically, that could work. It's not what you usually see. Um, but yeah, if a woman learns how to lean into her chaos in a healthy way and how to allow her chaos to be anchored in a healthy way, that's, that's gold. That's what you want. And we don't teach ourselves how to do that anymore because it's, it's sexist. It's misogynistic to, to be opposite and complementary forces in a relationship. That's wrong somehow these days. I don't know. I don't understand it. Well, the women's liberation movement sure did a great job on their PR statement. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, speaking to what you said earlier, I mean, we are all men at work. We, we got to get stuff done. 
You know, things mm-hmm. have to be done in certain orders. But when that whistle blows, are you still going, are you so entrenched in that role that you won't be able to see the power? And for a lot of women, they, it's, it's a very difficult thing. Look, I've got a neighbor who, uh, it, speaking to the reverse roles about a feminine man and a masculine woman, the, the, the wife is a ICU, intensive care unit nurse. That's a very masculine, very, like talking about like firefighters and like people who are literally doing like damage control, like that's front end line type of work. And her, uh, the husband is very, you could tell he's more feminine. He, he kind of walks very gently and he has a little sway to his hips and he seems a little more easygoing, a little more gentle with his, his stuff. And the woman's hands on hips kind of looking and making sure everything's getting done. And <laughs> in that situation, it, it's, I guess it works. You know, I do wonder about certain men being castrated do that kind of behavior, wearing a, a man down and eroding his own wildness within himself. But there's some situations where a woman's more naturally masculine, or there's some situations where she was trained to be masculine. And I guess for me, if you, if it's okay with your health, what do I got to talk about? If, if yeah. y'all are happy with that. But I do wonder, Nate, like some people that they're in their lifestyle, they're like, are you really happy doing this? Or are you just doing what you observe from other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that is a question. I think there are a lot more masculine women now than there naturally would be just because that's the direction society's been pushing and a lot more feminine male, feminine men now than there naturally would be because that's the way society's been pushing. Um, that That's something that I've thought about because manhood is often something you have to train yourself into. You a- achieve manhood generally. And in a lot of traditional societies, womanhood was not automatic, but life did it to you automatically. You know, like just what you go through as a female, that's enough to make you a woman. Whereas what you go through automatically as a male is not quite enough. They would have rite of passage rituals. They would have things that would train you to be a certain sort of male. And that was man. And so if you don't have a rite of passage, which a lot of people say we don't these days, and I'm I'm one of them. I think we've, we're lacking a real rite of passage to train men to be men. Um, so if you're lacking a rite of passage, a lot of men will remain boys, will remain more feminine. Um, but is the opposite also true? If you're lacking a rite of passage for women, or at least a social understanding of what womanhood is and what it's about, do you think a lot of females will remain girls? or perhaps lean into their masculine more than they otherwise would because they don't have an understanding of what they're really, what they really are or what they're experiencing. Everyone thinks that motherhood is like a feminine rite of passage. I mm. counter, I say, no, it's a very masculine thing. To think about it, mm. you, you know, maybe the inception part was fun. That was feminine. You're embracing and enjoying the experience. Yeah, awesome, you're feminine. But think about it, when you're pregnant, your body's working, right, to feed you and your and your kid. You are not resting. It's doing a whole bunch of things. You're giving birth. You're working some more. The kid pops out of you. You're working, working, working even more. And that idea of caretaking another human being and controlling and making sure that the diapers get changed and you're waking up on the schedule, that takes a lot of discipline. That's a lot of masculine energy. 
And so mm-hmm. for a lot of women, they think, well, that's my feminine, my embrace of my feminine. Like, no, you're just doubling down harder. That. And there's, there's no encouragement that I see in modern society for a woman to say, be at ease, be at flow, enjoy, let someone help you. They're, you're not going to be hurt or harmed by somebody coming around to side you. I remember when I, when I gave birth, I was shocked. People were dropping food off my house. I thought I had to be making Uber deliveries. I thought I had to be like calling and just having to stockpile of food and people were doing it. And that was a natural thing to do was to be at ease and let people cater to you as you rest and recover. But now you're ashamed if you don't go back to work within eight weeks because those bills got to get paid and no one wants to look at you as you being out of, out of step with what's going on at the work. It's really terrible. Oh yeah. Um, I haven't thought about that pregnancy and birth and raising kids as a masculine thing. I would have to think about that. I'm not sure. Um, but I see your point and I like your point. I think you're onto something. Um, but yeah, the, the feminine receptiveness, that's, that's important. Being able to allow people to help. That's definitely important. Um, and that's definitely a feminine thing. And there's, there's definitely masculine and feminine in everything. So building a house has masculine and feminine properties to it. You know, hunting definitely has masculine and feminine properties to it. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Raising kids can be masculine in a lot of ways. Um, what would you say would be a female rite of passage in womanhood then? What do you think that would look like? You know, <laughs> I really, I'm really at, at the spot about this because when you look to society, the only female rite of passage is being a coo- uh, is being a sh- a, a, a gold digger skulking outside of the sports or entertainment arenas, waiting to see like who could take care. I, I'm dead serious when I say this, because the only way that that's kind of quote unquote acceptable is when they're in the pursuit of money. You know, you see that with the Real Housewives installment. Why do you think that show was so popular and why it resonates with so many women? Interesting. I admit. So you, you're looking at it from being in your feminine energy, being open to receive. And then the pinnacle of that would be a gold digger. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. When you get to the, <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like you, 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 we talked about this via social media that going to either extremes on our feminine energy or the masculine energy, things go sideways. sideways. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. And so I, I, yes, I will, as a woman, I'm, I'm aiming every day to be more a feminine woman. I'm learning more to be passionate, patient, and vulnerable. I'm learning more to lean into the things that bring me delight and joy. For example, I get into my creative energy when I cook, when I write, when I speak, that's me just expressing my creative juices. I delight in listening to you, Nate, right now. I'm, I, I, I want to learn. That's my feminine energy. But if it's not modeled by their own female demonstrators, a.k.a. their mothers or mother figures or whatever, aunties or whoever, a woman will default naturally to a patriarchal mindset. And I think that a lot of women say, well, if that's what I see, that's maybe what, must, what it must be true. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> that's what we do when we're in wartime. You're not in war. I see tons of women literally in high heels and lipstick looking like drill sergeants. 
and they're yeah. wondering why they have high blood pressure and all these types of uh, health illnesses. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. So I would say feminine womanhood isn't receiving is part of it. There's also the creativity side. There's the the nourishing side. Um, I look at femininity a lot like cultivation. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a good way to put it. Cultivating all of life in all its forms. Life could be children. It could be your relationships. It could be family, society, food, decorating the home, making the apartment a home, you know, like all those kinds of things. That's that's the feminine, um, that's where femininity thrives. In order to do all those things, you have to be, well, what I hear from women who I talk to about this, a lot of them say their femininity really comes out when they feel protected, uh, provided for when they feel like they don't have to worry about it. Like they don't have to worry about the externals. It's all handled. I can be in my feminine now and I can work on cultivating life. Um, and like worrying about your job and taxes and bills, like that's, that's worrying about it. That's worrying about the externals, you know? So the feminine rite of passage, I think a lot of it does come down to puberty and then kids and then probably um, menopause, I think would be another rite of passage into like being an elder. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the reason for all these things is puberty you go through a phase where you were a kid and now you're not a kid and now you're not being treated like a kid and you feel like a kid and your brain is still a kid and you think you're a kid and you see the world as a kid, but the world doesn't see you as a kid. And it kind of feels like your childhood is stolen from you. It feels like your innocence is stolen from you. It feels like suddenly you're an object when before you were just an innocent little, little tyke having fun. Um, and so that's a, that's a rough trial essentially. It changes how you experience the world. It changes how you experience life and yourself. Um, so I think that's the first rite of passage. Children is where the first rite of passage was a change in how you experienced life happening to you. Children is your rite of passage into sacrifice, I think, into understanding the trade-off between allowing yourself to be consumed, essentially, like metaphorically speaking, in exchange for life to grow. Um, and that's literally and metaphorically when it comes to childbirth. Um, but that's a point where you sacrifice youth, you sacrifice your body in a lot of ways, you sacrifice time and energy and freedom and autonomy. You have to rely on this other person to help take care of you now. You have to rely on whether it's a husband or a job that's paying you while you're recovering or whatever it is. Um, you're relying on others. So you lose autonomy, you lose some things about your body, you lose your ability to do some of the things that you could have done before while you're pregnant anyway. Um, and so that's a, that's a lesson in sacrifice. So I think that's generally the female rite of passage, I think. So I'd well, like to hear we're, Yeah, we're, that's why we're having this conversation. Those of you guys who are listening, I mean, you know, obviously you can, what's your handle on, on, on X, Twitter, whatever? Of life and wild. Of life. Okay, we're gonna leave links in the show notes below for my handle and Nate's handle, so you know we can continue this conversation because we also want to hear from you. But anyway, 
to answer your question, you know, when you were talking about like the rite of passage of puberty, right? I was thinking about that 11, 12, and sometimes these girls are developing at eight, something's in that water. But anyway, you know, as the breasts are developing, you know, all that stuff is, is going on and their mind is still adolescent, there is a total mismatch between how they're developing and what they believe that they're responsible for at that age. And I'll give you a, a perfect example. Did you know that there's a thriving uh, teen porno thing going on at TikTok? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Not asking for you to explore that. Just saying that that content is out there. And so yeah. there's a lot of teens that are thinking, well, the only way to, I need to earn money so I can afford the latest clothes and the shoes and whatever, because I want to compete for attention for men, right? So that I can be taken care of because the most attractive person gets the, the, the best hunter in the room. And, yeah. and so when you think about it, so they're trained, they're, they're underdeveloped mentally, but their bodies are developing physically. They still want to be naturally lean into the vulnerable side, but they've hypersexualized to the point where the only one who wants to be attracted to them are predators. <laughs> and society is sending mixed message because they say, well, be a kid, but let's see how we can monetize you. And one of the things that I think about right now is Miley Cyrus, that just pops in my mind. She was so cute. When she was in Hannah Montana, those are, maybe I'm date stamping myself, but you know when Miley Cyrus was part of that Mickey Mouse Club, you know those early years, she was your quintessential young girl growing up, very innocent, very curious, very fun-loving, but also recognizing that she's grown up to be a woman. And then I remember she was interviewed many years ago. She was like, "I was scripted. I had my manager and all these people tell me what to say and do, right down to my hairstyle, and I couldn't be who I want." And so no, I'm breaking out. I'm like, "Baby, that's rebellion. That's just repressed uh, trauma going out." But but the point of it is, is there was so much conflict about what she was supposed to be because at one end they said we want sexy Miley Cyrus because it given that money, but at the same time, it's like, I still want to be caretake because I'm still a kid. I mean, she, her father, her father, Billy Ray, yeah, Billy Ray Styles, she's very much a, a, a daddy's girl. And so the, I could see the conflict, and I see that a lot in society. These, you, you mentioned, obviously, puberty, motherhood. There's conflicts in motherhood, that junction where you you have you make sure you got a job, go back to job or get back your job as quick as possible because you know men are SOBs because they can't be relied on because they're receiving traumatized messages from their own female role models. And then at andropause, midlife crisis, you can't trust that man. You got to make sure this is your time for you to go to go back to school and do whatever. So I see it all those critical junctures, countercultural messages that go against natural feminine nature if that makes sense so i'm not disputing i'm just coming up from a different angle oh no you're definitely right um so i said that the female rite of passage is kind of an automatic thing life will do it to you mm -hmm. but that's only half the story you do need the cultural understandings and cultural guidance around the rite of passage this is how you approach this trial well and gracefully and this is how you go through it this is who you're meant to be on the other side of it this is what you're supposed to learn from it um, experiencing life in a, in a vacuum of perspective 
is a really rough time. That's a rough ride. You need the perspective. You need people who've been there and done that to tell you this is what's going on. And young girls don't have that. They really don't. Unless they've got a great mom or a great grandma, people don't have a tribe anymore. And that's a real shame. And that's largely because women are in the workforce. They don't have time to be being that social glue. Um, so they can't be training their daughters. They can't be training their the young moms who are having their first kid, you know, like you don't have those postmenopausal women just being, being absolute superheroes for the young women. Um, and we really need to get back to that. And it's the same for men. We need those, those older men being absolute superheroes for the young men. And I mean, the retirement age is going up and up and like people just don't have the time to be the elders of the tribe anymore, nor the inclination. I mean, we don't know each other. I don't know who my neighbors are. <laughs> like nobody has a community. Well, can I push back when you say like nobody has a time or people are misprioritized their time? Yeah, that that's probably a huge part of it too. It's just a cultural um a lack of prioritization around social cultivation. Mm-hmm. I think would be a way to phrase it. Yeah. Because I, I, I find it so fascinating. I remember when I was active on LinkedIn. And I remember someone told me that, yeah, they did, They had a little poll. Somebody put up a poll and they said, how much time do you spend on LinkedIn? And they're like, less than an hour a day, maybe an hour or two, three hours or more. And I remember one person, and there was a huge chunk of people that said four hours or more daily on LinkedIn. And then I was like, What? And they're like, yeah, in between, you know, talking with prospective clients and, you know, posting and responding and what all this other and commenting and all that stuff. Yeah, when you add it all up, it's not all four hours in one shot. It's just scattered throughout the day when you add it up. And so the point I'm trying to mention is, is that when we say we have no time, time doing what? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. Um, and that, that that's kind of a function of the world we've built. Um, like, imagine we had a beast of burden, right? Back in the Stone Age, like the horse. Let's say we, we domesticated the horse for the first time. But let's say the horse was a very labor-intensive animal to own. Had to feed it 10 hours a day. Had to make sure it has a good walk for the other 10 hours of the day, and then it sleeps for four hours, Right. Suddenly, you have this great animal, a horse, which helps a lot, but it takes a ton of work to maintain it. So you've got a bunch of Stone Age people who were hunter-gatherers yesterday, but now they are horse owners, and that's all they have the time to do, because they need a horse. They don't want to hunt and gather anymore. They need horses. But it monopolizes everything about them. That's kind of what our society is. Like, it's all work. It's all work because society needs to be maintained. It needs to function and it needs to grow. Everything is based on growth. So we need to keep working at it. And you're not allowed to just focus on yourself or your family or what you want or living a wholesome little satisfying life that isn't built on growth, but is about fulfillment. That's kind of almost not allowed. And if it is allowed, it's not talked about and it's definitely not preached. Um, and that's, that's a huge problem. I was reading an article the other day. It was talking about the child book, the number of births per woman in her lifetime, specifically in China. But I, I think I read something also in the U.S. earlier this year. But they said that 
Now, the average amount of births per mother in, in China is 1.03. It's on track with Japan in terms of declining population. One, we all knew that they were China and India were jockeying for who's, who's going to supersede each other in terms of population growth. But you know, China is going down. I know in the U.S. it's something like even less than two. 0.8 or something like that first first per, per child per mother and the reason why I mention is, is that when you are so busy working you're not wanting to procreate <laughs> you're not because you just think of a child as a, a burden and less of a joy because you have to go to the office you got to do all this stuff and who and then if you do have a bunch of kids you're basically pushing them to soccer practice or badminton or tutors or, you know, anything but spending time with your kids. So you're literally trying to outsource your parenting. Yeah. And so when you're speaking earlier about the point of like, where are these, these guardians that are sh like shepherding and showing them what masculinity and femininity is? Well, they're in the office trying to pay lessons for the next kid's violin lessons, you know? Is it really necessary though is it really helping them become more feminine or masculine with just yeah. shuffling them somewhere well it, it comes from a misunderstanding a lot of people think that what you need is to save up a lot invest a lot have a lot of money to give to your kids so they can have a better life so they can give a bunch of money to their kids so they can have a better life and that is true to some extent like it's good to have enough money to live comfortably but no one needs more than enough so if you're making enough to live comfortably, spend the rest of your time with your family. Spend it doing holistic, fulfilling things. Um, don't don't waste your time getting more than enough. That's just a waste. It's not what you need. You, your kids can never have more than enough family. But you can definitely have more than enough money. Where did we go wrong? Where did we go wrong? I know that we had a conversation about... Agriculture. That's the problem. Coming out of the Stone Age. That's ruined it all. Um, but yeah, no, keep going. I interrupted you. No, no, no. I would, we, we were talking last time about the wars. And you, we, were, we were, for those of you guys who are listening, we were having this conversation like what went wrong. And of course, we all go back to agriculture revolution darn you going from the plows to the factories and that not good. but anyway even before, like, let, let's let's hit the fast forward button you know we were talking Nate, and i said well when the men had to go off to war and then they came back and i said no they didn't come back like physically they came back mentally they were gone and i think that yeah. really impacted the psyche of a lot of women in western culture negatively Oh, yeah, because the women had to adapt their masculine more than they ever wanted to because the men either were dead or they were traumatized and they weren't as capable anymore of full, filling the role that the women needed them to fill. So the women had to do it. And they seem pretty resentful, <laughs> um, which makes sense. I mean, especially now, men need to step up. But as far as where we went wrong... There are so many places, so many forks in the road. So you kind of have to get specific. Where did we go wrong with relationships? Where did we go wrong with masculinity, femininity? Where did we go wrong with priorities in life and culture? They all have a different answer. Um, 
maybe you could just blame modern civilization as a whole. That tends to be where my mind goes, and I'm biased. Um, but but that is, I think there is some truth to it. Uh, modern civilization is about growth. It's about economy. It's about mass societies where you don't know people, and the chief doesn't know you, and your vote may or may not count, depending on what you believe. Um, like, mass society is not what human minds are meant for. No leader was meant to lead millions of people. No company was meant to be run on thousands and thousands of thousands of people. Um, that's not what our instincts are attuned for. We're meant for much smaller worlds. Mass society has to have much larger worlds that we can intuitively appreciate, I guess would be the word. Um, and that leads to all kinds of problems. Another thing you could think about is in primitive societies, in hunter-gatherer, small-scale, close-to-nature societies, there are natural pressures. Like, you get hungry, so you have to hunt, right? You have to be out in the woods foraging. You have to be walking, you have to be running, you have to be building things with your hands, and you're going to be bored. If it's winter and it's a snowstorm, you're sitting in your hutch, in your little teepee or your wigwam, and you're just hanging out and making baskets and telling stories, and you have family time. Mandatory family time, because nature said so, basically. Mm -hmm. um, you have boredom time, because nature said so. There's just nothing else to do right now. Um, so there are natural pressures that essentially force you into a more healthy posture in life. Um, because by default, you're exercising. By default, you're eating a variety of healthy foods. By default, you're close with your family and friends. Um, in mass society, we take a lot of those natural pressures away. You don't get hungry so much anymore. You don't have to be close to family and friends. You're not relying on each other. You can get divorced. You don't have to worry about uh, being married at all. Um, you, can, you can have a kid without ever interacting with someone of the opposite sex now. So like, there's all these natural pressures that used to be a good thing, which now we don't have. The natural gymnasium isn't a requirement anymore. So that allows a lot of things about character and personality and social cohesion to atrophy because those, those instinctual muscles are no longer being exercised. Um, and I mean, how do you fix that? Well, you could say, okay, let's, let's figure out how to simulate those natural pressures. But then are we clever enough to really rebuild a new simulation with new technologies to simulate what you used to keep society together? I don't know. Probably not. I would say probably not. Um, but how do you fix that? What do you do about it? We are in a world of mass societies. If you don't have the money to buy a little patch of land and create your own small society, then you're going to have to figure it out on your own. And the best you can hope for is just independently simulating your own pressures that keep you instinctively exercised in life, which is rough. I'm not sure how to do that well. You know, as you were talking, I was, there was a couple of things that went through my mind. We were talking about a, a major uh, picture movie that came out, um, date stamping this, we're talking August 21st, 2023, and recently there was a major movie that was a, a commentary on the woman's role in society and 
we're not going to talk about the title of the movie because I know there's some people who are diehard fans of that movie, but the point of it is there was, there was a lot of social commentary that coming from multimillionaire women saying that they're oppressed in society. Like, repeat that sentence again. Multimillionaire influential women saying that women are repressed. Funded by a, billions of dollars to get that message out. Does that make sense? If it was so repressed, <laughs> how in the world could a message like that come out? And I think a lot of people just ingest messages and not really asking themselves, like, is there validity to that? Yeah. And then making decisions based on a sense of fear and anxiety. And then they want to rely on things to ease that pain, but because they're not getting that pressure to work through, like you mentioned, like you can literally have a baby without interacting with the opposite sex. Like all those pressures that come from that natural tugging and pulling between cooperation and learning, it's all vanished. Because now mm -hmm. all you've got is test tubes and doctors and forms to sign. And so we're yeah. not really learning to th critically think. We're not learning to cooperate. We're not really learning like the <laughs> we're not critical thinking skills are just going out the window. Mm -hmm. And a large part of that is because of just the domestication of man, right? Like the shepherd doesn't need an intelligent sheep. And I mean, I'm not trying to be conspiratorial here, but you can be a sheep and work at a factory. The factory worker doesn't need factory work. No, the factory manager doesn't need factory workers who are critical thinkers. So why would school teach that? Why would governments push for that? Why would anything in society push for citizens who are better than what society needs them to be? There's no reason for that. Um, so yeah, it's critical thinking isn't really necessary anymore to a large extent. If you want to have a good life, probably, but then you're going to have to figure out how to overcome some problems that is just inherent on our world. And you might rub some elbows the wrong way. If you're doing that, critical thinking leads to friction um, unless things are working well, because then a critical thinker sees something that's working well and they're like, oh, OK, good. But I think we can all agree that things aren't working well right now. And so if we were all critical thinkers, it would make things even more of a mess before it got better. But perhaps that's what's needed. And I think in any rebirth, there's a fire. And yeah. unfortunately, we may be literally having to hit hit that fever point where things need to be toppled. Right now, we're talking we're just talk about AI and mm -hmm. how <laughs> I was reading this very interesting article, uh, Nate, that, that was explaining that in order for AI to, AI to work, you need even more content than before to be able to like uh, refine the algorithm and make sure that, that it can spit out good content. And so we thought that AI was going to be the cure, but it's now turned out to be the curse because now there's worries about plagiarism and unauthorized use of material. And so people are working more than ever and never pausing and asking ourselves, we're creating solutions that are actually driving us to an early grade. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's... Okay, so I don't know if you believe in like barefoot running and all that stuff. I've dabbled in it. It, it feels good for me. Um, but I find it to be a good metaphor. So... Your foot is what it is, just naturally. It has bones that move. It's got muscles that are great at their job. You got your toes, your ankle, your knee, your hip. It all works together in a great little system. Then we put shoes on. 
okay? Because we wanted to solve the problem of sharp rocks. Because there are sharp, rock, sharp rocks in nature. You can't walk everywhere comfortably. So, okay, shoes, cool. But we want to wear our shoes all the time. But they're uncomfortable. So we make a different shoe. But, you know, it still pokes through the shoe and gets to your foot. So you make a thicker shoe. But then your foot can't really move right. So you make a shoe with an insole support. But then, you know, your back starts to hurt after a while. And, like, our foot was fine. Yeah, rocks were sharp, but you can just watch where you're walking. I walk barefoot in the woods all the time. It's fine. There are some rough spots, but like walk where you know you can and put your shoes on when you need to. That's that's kind of how it's supposed to work. But we solved the problem, and then we had problems that were caused by the solution. The solution caused problems. So then we solved those problems with more solutions, which caused more problems. And then we solved those problems with more solutions, which caused more problems. Instead of just thinking, huh, I wonder if this shoe, which is causing back pain and knee pain, making my form, my running form a little bit weird, and maybe my foot arch is a bit collapsed, like, maybe all these problems from shoes can't be solved by shoes. Maybe we should just go barefoot a little bit. Maybe that would help. Um, I think that's true for a lot of things in society. We've made so many solutions to so many problems over so many millennia that we're not even sure what the real problem was in the first place. But we're dealing with all the downstream problems that all the solutions have created, and we're just trying to think of more and more and more solutions. Maybe it's worth going barefoot again for a while. And just to see if the original problem is better or worse than the downstream problems, because we don't know. But it could be worth finding out. It could be, Nate, but we we're going to bankrupt the... Uh pharmacy industry in the process. You know, oh, darn it. Xanax and Zoloft <laughs> and Paxil and Adderall and all those all those fun mood stabilizers to anesthetize oneself to the actual trials and tribulations of life. I mean, that, that would be a lovely, absolutely immoral experiment to run. I The psychopath in me really wants to just take away all the meds and just see how fast society changes. Or at the very least, like, Let's ban caffeine and then see how long it takes for like the work day to start later and like for work hours to get shorter and maybe jobs to be easier for a little bit. Like maybe if we take away a crutch or two, things will just improve. Like, but they'll have to be hard at first and then they'll improve. But that's, that's kind of what natural pressure is. That's how this works. That's how it functions. You have to get sore in the gym before your muscles start growing. I don't know. I'm not in charge of society, and that's probably for the better. But, <laughs> but on an individual level, I think there definitely is um, merit to taking away some crutches and seeing what you're naturally capable of and what kind of life your natural inclinations would have you lead. I just have to say this because it's on my mind. I know I'm probably going to burn some bridges as I say this, but mind-altering chemicals not just caffeine, but sugar and refined carbohydrates. And <laughs> people say, I'm in my right mind. Well, if you tell them, stop eating refined sugars at all forms, breads, cookies, pastries, and see how your mind is thinking in 30 days, you're going to realize how distorted your mind was because of all the oh, yeah. chemicals in your body. And I see so many people saying, I'm not living a happy life. On because of that, and then also the chemicals you're cre creating in your mind when you're watching Real Housewives, Red Table Talk, fill in the blank kind of 
crap on TV and you're literally getting yourself in a stress response with releasing cortisol and norepinephrine and all those hormones and your mind, you're out of your mind too. So how in the world can you embrace masculinity or feminine energy within yourself innately if your mind is distorted? And so yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not as far for you. Just, well, let's see, let's see what happens. And we just kind of pull the plug and everything and let's watch everyone kind of <laughs> implode. Let's just but turn I, society off and on again. See what happens. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I have seen with myself, I have seen with my clients, I have seen where if people were like, even if you take, Nate, even if you take a 36-hour fast, you will see people break down, even from coffee or sugar or just or stop watching, like take away your social media account access or whatever. Like they will lose their minds. And it says that you're no longer, you're, you don't even have personal autonomy about yourself at this point. You're being controlled <laughs> by tech giants or by Monsanto or by whatever. Yeah, um, there's a there's a principle I try to live my life by. Um, and if I get, let me get this right. It's essentially be cautious of anything that demands more of you than it's worth. Um, in other words, sugar, like sugar is fine. You don't need it to be healthy, but like it, it's fine in doses. But if you eat more than just what's fine, then your body will start to crave more of it, more than you need, more than the sugar was ever worth. Your body will want more than that level. Social media, like, yeah, it's cool to get on Facebook and like talk to old high school friends, but you start doing it more and then you're going to crave more than the actual function of the thing is worth. Alcohol, drugs, meds, TV, you can go down the list. Be very cautious about things that demand more from you than what they're worth. But that's anti to all of our situation right now. Like all of society is about doing more than things are worth like work work is only worth so much having your career and your job that's worth a lot but it's only worth that much of a lot you know and yet we're supposed to dive in even deeper than it's worth we're supposed to get more money than we need we're supposed to eat more food and it's, it's nonsense but, but that's the world so what are you going to do about it and that, that's, that's the real question, because I'm not saying what are you going to do about it as if to say there's nothing to do about it. I'm saying you have to figure it out. Like that's your main quest in this life is this question needs to be answered. Answer the question and then live that out. That's really important. Hmm. Because it all boils down to you as a, as a person. I mean, just mm -hmm. despite those who are listening, like, well, I, I was looking for some solutions about how to be more masculine or feminine. Like, no, boo -boo, that's not our call to make. We're just talking. Like, imagine I used to wear glasses, right? And imagine like I go into a very windy area and all this, and maybe it rained a little bit. And so my glasses are covered with wind and specks of dirt and all this stuff. I can't see clearly because my lenses are cloudy and that's what happens when you're not critically thinking or you're consuming certain drugs or you're under the influence of certain things that are not helpful to you. For some of us, we just need to clean our glasses, like our own internal lenses to be able to figure out what works well for us. And maybe if we can work on it on an individual level to clean our own selves up, then collectively we can get better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned like people, wanting like an answer how do i be a masculine man or a feminine woman 
especially in the context of a society that doesn't preach gender roles, I would have to say that being an adult in general, um, the rite of passage into manhood is not an initiation into obedience. And I'm pretty confident I can say that about the rite of passage into womanhood as well. It's not an initiation into obedience. Being an adult is not about doing what you're told. Like, you've got to self-actualize. You've got to figure out your value system and live accordingly. That's everything. Um, so if you want to be a man, do that, and you're there. <laughs> like, that'll do it. Um, and it's a lot more work than it sounds like, but that's kind of the point. Um, and it's true for feminine, femininity as well, womanhood. Figure out your values and figure out how to live accordingly. Hmm. I can't tell you how to do that. Sorry to disappoint, guys. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. But well, that's I'm the thing. I mean, yeah. you look at traditional rites of passage, and they're not. There's something you do alone. Like you can have the village elders teach you all the plants in the woods and teach you how to hunt and how to make a fire. But when the rite of passage comes, you get a swift kick in the butt, and you're on your own. And you just have to make do. Like, that's what that is. You're an adult once you realize how to rise above the victim mindset and just make things work. Because that's all you've got. Because if you don't, that's it. That's the end of the game. Um, that's what being an adult is. So, yeah, I, I can't teach you the secret formula to manhood or womanhood. You've got you've to figure out how to make life work for you. Obviously, for those who are still interested in learning more about you, where can they go? Where where can they kind of get more information about you and your knowledge and obviously the things that you've accumulated personally along the way of this business called life? Yeah, well, right now I'm just on, on X or Twitter. Um, it's of life and wild, no underscores or anything else. Um, I do have a website on the way, and when that's out, I'll definitely be posting all about it. Um, but for right now, it's just Twitter. So that's where you find me. Nate, it's just been such a pleasure just having this conversation, obviously, online, but more importantly, interacting with you one-on-one. -on -one. I think a lot of people think that you can substitute words for conversation, and real learning comes through application and through conversation. So we even talked about things I was even anticipating. So and I'm forever grateful. And I'm, I'm and embracing all the feminine energy of just being surprised for all the twists and turns. That's pretty awesome. Those of you guys who are listening, I just want to encourage you to listen to what Nate has to say. Think about what areas of your life needs more closer examination. Are you burning yourself out? Do you need to be the village elder for someone else? I don't know. That's something that you need to be thinking about. And most importantly, are you doing things that nurture your innate feminine or masculine energy? It's for you to decide. And that being said, please share this podcast, write a review, all that fun stuff. But thank you. Thank you, Nate, so much for your time. And I'm just looking forward to another upcoming conversation because I can definitely know that people have a lot of questions more than just this brief interaction that we had. Yeah, absolutely. It was a pleasure. Happy to be here. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Take care and be awesome.